Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jay Kapner and Dale Wilkinson here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, will be brought to you by Bet Online, Aura, Athletic Greens, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dale Wilkinson, those intros are now becoming a mouthful. I'm telling you, they're... <laughs> They're getting a lot more packed these days, but for it's good a good reason. problem to have. It's for a good, good problem to have. Yes, it is. We're uh, very appreciative. Yes. Big things coming for Charges Unleashed and our fans and viewers as we continue this climb to the top. Thankfully, the only problems that we have nowadays, Dan, when we're talking about it being June 22nd, is the fact that there just really isn't football news until training camp begins next at the end of July. So here we are again, just waiting, watching. <laughs> The ticking clock that is just wanting to torture us over so, these next six weeks. So I'm going to be Jake. Before I get into anything, Jake, Jake Hefner, how are you doing today? <laughs> I don't think you. I don't think you. It's not really hard to figure out. Just read my face, and I think it's really easy to tell how I'm doing when hockey's done, when basketball's done, when football's not in action. Yeah, sports season sucks. <laughs> Right and, and, and not to mention the Padres are just like taking our hearts and just crushing it every time we think that they're over the hump. But Jake, this episode, you and I kind of talked about this. We figured, hell, let's expand this because I think this is something that can carry in terms of narratives throughout the entire 2023 season. Absolutely. And we're not talking Red Dead Redemption. Well, I have played that game. We're talking redemption season for this 2023 Los Angeles Chargers team. Redemption on the mind. And that can be taken many different ways. Across players, folks in the organization, top to bottom of the staff. Redemption season aplenty with this team this year. Jake and I, we have not talked about who we have in this redemption season that episode in terms of folks we want to talk about. So I'm really excited to kind of get into this as we will be surprising ourselves as we go through. Uh, folks like, for example, JC Jackson coming off of his injury. Folks like a Rashawn Slater coming off of his injury. Folks like possibly coaches. Maybe we got a quarterback in there. Who knows? But there's a lot of redemption season coming. But Jake, before we get into that, let's go over or under. There we go. Ah, over or under? <sighs> Drawing a blank. Help me out. Over or under? You came up with a good one earlier this week when we were talking about the Flash movie. I thought that that was really creative on your part. Nice job, but you also knew that I had it. Um, but that was good. Get away from the football logic, because again, we're not in football season. So again, use your, okay. over use your or under. Brain. Over or under? How many Mexican pizzas you've had in June? And I'm going to go over or under. I'm going to set the line. I'm going to give this my own. I'm going to set the line at two and a half, and I'm going to go over. Oh. This, right? is, this is by no means a way to compliment myself because Dan knows this very well how much I thoroughly enjoy my Taco Bell. <laughs> Dan, I can't even remember the last time that I had a Mexican pizza. It's hashtag humble brag. Yeah, it's been months. And but that is, is that because they're unhealthy or because talk about the other things you'd rather have? Well, well no, no. The, the unhealthy thing has absolutely nothing <laughs> to do with it. Okay, so just 
keep that in mind for a second. Have I gone to Taco Bell? Yes. Have I ordered other things than Mexican Mexican pizza? Absolutely. I love me some Taco Bell. I I do not shy away from the opportunity to eat Taco Bell. But by no fault of my own, I have just not had a Mexican pizza in months. So sorry to say that you were wrong. <laughs> I haven't had Mex- I haven't had Taco Bell in a few months, but I honestly can probably count on like one hand in my life how many times I've gone to Taco Bell and not ordered a Mexican pizza. <laughs> I know you're a fiend for for those. Yes. So, so before but, we get into that, Jake, let's pay the bills. Yes, Bet Online. Want to remind you guys, uh, Bet Online reminds uh, reminds remains <laughs> your number one source for all of your sporting bet sport betting needs this season. Always the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your very own home. All you got to do to get into the action is head on over to the website. That's BetOnline.ag. Use your mobile device to join and be sure to use the promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jake, let's kick this thing off. I, I think there's a couple easy ones that we can kind of get out of the way in terms of mm-hmm. low hanging fruit yes. of redemption seasons of course. for this Chargers team. I mentioned a couple off the top. We've talked about JC Jackson in his own episode here, but the amount of redemption storylines just with him alone both personally, professionally, health-wise, roster construction, like the whole nine. There are so many redemption storylines within his story. But there might not be one you're rooting for more than J.C. Jackson. And seeing how much he's kind of come back over this whole rehab and how quickly things are transpiring and how much the team needs him to be back, I think that's an easy one. Low-hanging fruit, like I said, but probably the one that is easiest to root for throughout the season, starting a month ago. Yeah, low-hanging fruit, yes, obviously. That makes perfect sense why he was be the number one person on this list in terms of redemption based off of what took place last year. But, Dan, again, we went through this in our spotlight piece for... JC Jackson last week. I think there were so many more variables that we just did not think about when it came to the beginning of the season. Everything that he had suffered with the bone spurt and his foot that he had to have removed, which basically just cost him those last three, three and a half weeks of training camp before the season starts. And then all the commotion about, you know, him not playing his natural position that he played in New England. And then finally, when he does, he goes down with the injury. Um, I love the short that you made on JC Jackson last week, by the way, just pigeonholing that statement as far as look whether this works out or it doesn't you have to commend the effort that this man has put into getting himself back off of a very rare injury that happens in the nfl normally when it comes to knees it's it's the torn acls the pcl whatever now we're talking about you know something completely different that doesn't happen that much and even when players have come back from it they're definitely not a hundred percent and we're talking about a corner suffering this injury that's a whole nother league within itself so for jc jackson just to get himself ready to this point and be set to go in week one of training camp as tom telesco surprised us with all of that news back in march it really is a testament for his work ethic now to your point dan if they are able to get him back to full speed by week one, which all early indications look like that's very possible. And 
even from Brandon Staley, and now you have Derek Ansley and you have Tom Donatel, three individuals that are very familiar with him and obviously what took place last year. If you start him off putting him in the best position to win right off the bat, not only could you be talking about a redemption rebound season, but if this goes, Dan, that comeback player of the year award, I don't think should be, he should not be taken out of that conversation at all. I agree. And, and how important this redemption season is to the success of this Chargers secondary and who they bring in or don't bring in for the secondary is huge. Um, okay. Low hanging fruit out of the way. You're up, Jake. What's one? How about Donald Parham, Dan? Ooh, was not on my list. I like how about, this. How about Donald Parham? Um, there were a lot of expectations for Donald Parham coming into last season, especially after he had suffered that scary concussion in the Edzo toward the end of the season that unfortunately he wasn't able to finish. And we even knew that there was still lingering issues plenty, plenty after the season before he was actually fully cleared to go. And Dan, when we went out there the early days of training camp, he looked really, really good last year. And then unfortunately, we were both there on the sidelines when we saw Donald Parham pull up and grab the back of his leg. And of course that cost him a very big chunk of the season, obviously took another weapon away from Justin Herbert for a significant amount of time. Um, It was a much more serious, I think, you know, hamstring pull than what was initially let on. And when he came back, I think he was still just trying to get back in the groove of things after being gone for that long and he just didn't really have a get an opportunity to shine. And now with telling more that you have, and now let's see what you could do. You know, fingers crossed that you have Gerald Everett and Donald Parham healthy for a full season. You get both of these guys in the end zone to do what we've been waiting for this offense to do essentially for the past two years, as far as red zone threats, two tight end sets in 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 this offense. I would love to finally see it come to fruition. The Chargers were able to get Donald Parham to sign back on. He was obviously a free agent. After this year, they got him to sign back for another season. I'm very happy to see him back. I think he is a truly athletic, dynamic tight end that is one of the better overall tight ends that you have as far as the four tight ends that the Chargers have in this group. So I think he's going to be a very valuable piece if he stays healthy. I think he's got a great opportunity in a Kellen Moore offense to really succeed. And how... Awesome would that be for this Chargers team if Donald Barham does succeed? Because we've talked about at length how thin it seems to be at tight end position. And if Donald Parham can flourish and finally grasp that potential that everybody's talked about, which we have too, massive. Uh, we're going to get into some of the feelings and we're going to get into some real talk here for a sec, Jake. Well, man. Brandon Staley. Mm. I think he was, on, he was on my list. <laughs> massive. Redemption no, no surprise there. Massive redemption season. And this is no knock on Brandon Staley. This is not saying anything negatively in terms of how he performed, in terms of him as a coach. doesn't have to do with that, really. The aura around, pun intended, Brandon Staley, since he came to the Chargers, like the second he was hired, was you know this brainchild. He's someone who is kind of transcending the defensive scheme, if you will, for the NFL. And bluntly, that has not been seen translated onto the field. But with that, 
you saw year one, Brandon Staley, like, just let it rip. Like, fourth and Staley was on a t-shirt being sold everywhere. You saw everyone around the NFL, pundits, critics, all kind of talking about this new age and kind of changing the math, if you will, with this fourth down and aggressive play calling and changing the culture of this team. And there was a ton of positive that came from year one. And you and I noted that at length, how different that year was versus the years prior under the previous regime. Then, of course, the Week 18 debacle happened against the Raiders, they missed the playoffs. Season ends on kind of a, a low note. Last year, you saw you know tons of catastrophes happen, all the injuries, all of the extenuating circumstances, the offensive play calling not doing great. You saw Justin Herbert down for a while and kind of ailing throughout the season. And you saw just you saw Brandon Stanley then kind of have to reel it in, seemingly, in terms of the aggressiveness and that fourth down and the decision making and all that. And it probably how could it not get to him? When you see kind of how things ended in Jacksonville and you see how intense it was just for them to get to the playoffs. Like remember how dire it looked there for a while before they reeled off those wins at the end? Playoffs weren't even being talked about. And so he had that. But like that takes its toll. And then last year, they didn't we heard Eric Smith talk about it. Like they just didn't reach their full potential last year. Now there's all these question marks around Brand Staley. And maybe he was gonna get fired in the offseason. And should he be the coach this season? And what he needs to do to kind of put those question marks to rest. And is he the right coach for Brandon for Justin Herbert? Should they get an offensive guy, i.e. Kellen Moore? Is he already foot in the door? Like, how should Brandon Staley be acting as a coach this year? Did he learn his lessons? Is he going to handle injuries the same way? Like, is he going to be more aggressive this year? So many things. Year three, redemption season for Brandon Staley. And I see this as like, uh, you know what? F it. If I'm going to go down, I'm going down swinging. And I'm going down with my best punches. Best punches. Justin Herbert, Derwin James, Rashawn Slater. Like, the guys that you need to rely on, the ones who are the cornerstone of your team, that's how I'm going to go down. If I'm going to go down slinging it 50 yards down the field and it gets picked off, I did what I thought was best for my team. I think we're going to see a more fun Los Angeles Chargers offense than we have seen in arguably a decade this season. I'm calling it now. See, this is uh, this is arguably, maybe in some people's eyes, not arguably the the hottest seat out of anybody that we're talking about here in terms of redemption goes because of the things that go along with it. Dan, there was so much talk about Brandon Staley after that Jacksonville game, and I know we don't like ta- talking about the Jacksonville game, but majority of coaches after losing a game the way that the Chargers lost like last year probably would have seen a pink slip and probably would have been shown the door. Why? And I mean, that's <laughs> you don't go out like that. If if it was a if it was a close game, competitive game, and it came down to like a, la- a last couple plays in the fourth quarter, and you lost, you know, I could understand that. I could understand that. Yeah, quite simply, just, you don't lose after having a twenty-seven nothing lead with right. Justin Herbert's quarterback. Right. Period. Because all in all, with everything that the Chargers suffered last year in terms of injuries, they showed a great resilience, especially toward the end of the season. And Brandon Staley deserves credit for that. But when your team gets four turnovers in the first half. God and is leading 27 to nothing. 
you don't lose that game. I don't care what side of the ball you want to place responsibility on. You just don't lose that. So a majority of head coaching candidates probably would have been shown the door in that circumstance. Brandon Staley was not. They chose to rework the rest of their assistant coaching staff. They obviously brought on Kellen Moore. They jumped at the opportunity once the Dallas Cowboys let him go. But yeah, Dan, to your point, this is kind of, if, if the Chargers don't find success here under Brandon Staley, then I think, I think he basically, this is, this was kind of a, a mulligan for, for Brandon Staley last year. It's like, okay, look, we like what you've done when you've been here. We're going to give you another shot yeah, regardless of what regardless happens of that. But you, but you kind of gotta, <laughs> you it. know, get us to that next step. Like this is, this is it. And it's interesting to think here that if obviously if the charters end up having success, and I think that Brandon Staley will grow as a head coach, this being his third year, I think he will, it will help this offense more for the fact that the chargers have now Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. So hopefully Brandon Staley has been able to compile the things that he learned as a head coach in year one and year two, and put it everything together in year three. And this could go a number of different ways because if the chargers find success, that's great. Brandon Staley will probably be back next year and, same coaching staff, I'm not sure about that because if they also do good, Kellen Moore might get another head coaching job elsewhere. Or, regardless, Kellen Moore might have a different job. <laughs> or, devil's advocate here, if the Chargers don't find success and they choose to move on from Brandon Staley, they may have a head coach waiting in the wings on their own staff. So, yeah, this one's got the most implications of anybody that we're going to have on this list, obviously, in terms of success or, success or failure rate and what that possibly means for the direction of this team. All right, I got one more that might surprise people, and then let's kind of go rapid fire with the rest of these because I think those are the bigger ones. Um, for me, because we had Brandon Staley, and I don't think that you, I don't think you have him on your list. Um, I have Justin Herbert on my list. I do have him on my list. Oh, okay. The floor is yours. It, it, it's weird feeling like you're putting Justin Herbert and redemption season in the same type of sentence. But in reality, you have to believe that he knows that this is a comeback season for him, not just from the standpoint that as of right now, he's still in the contract year until things get it themselves worked out. But I think that he knows... It's it's weird because we we talk about Justin Herbert and his stats last year, and a lot of people criticized him last year. But it's it's from the standpoint that you forget that he was injured last year because still put he, those numbers up <laughs> because he didn't he he did not miss any starting time as a quarterback, which is just insane when you when you figure out what actually took place with him. And then progressively, we saw the long ball coming back later on in the year. He got healthier, but he was never a hundred percent. And still to put up those stats is really phenomenal based. And I don't care if someone people people want to look at it as pedestrian numbers or whatever the hell they want to look at it. It's still great from when you consider the circumstances. But Justin Herbert, to go from the head coaches, the coordinators, everything like that that he has transitioned to, this is the most loaded, let's just say, assistance that he has had from player personnel on the field with him coaching support that's behind him on the sidelines. This is the most support that he has had as a pro, no question about it. And I think all of these things are going to intertwine into him having success this year. I think that he's motivated as we have all watched from early camp indications that his release point is higher. So I think that they're already working on him, his mechanics so that we can get away from all of those knockdown footballs from a guy who is six, six, 
and still getting the ball knocked down. We got to fix that. We got to take that that opportunity. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if that has been confirmed. If that's actually why they're doing that, or if the mechanics have changed. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm first curious of all, if anybody, I'm curious if the press will get that question. I, I mean, first of all, even with his release point being higher, that ball still just looks beautiful flying downfield. <laughs> but I would think that that would be one of the reasons because the Chargers, yeah, the Chargers were one of the most. Uh, highest teams in the league for for opposing defenses batting down quarterback passes. So got to get out, got to get out of that when you have a guy that's that size. I think that Kellen Moore is going to put him in a much better position where you're going to see much more of those bootlegs. Justin Herbert is lethal when he is on the move. We've seen all those highlights what he can do when he is mobile. So I think that's going to open up opposing defenses and it's going to open up the playbook for this offense even more. So Justin Herbert. Everybody's kind of already pegging him early to still eclipse the 5,000 mark for this upcoming season in this particular offense when we're talking about simply scoring points. And, you know, stats look great at the end of the day, and I get it. You're going to want results when it comes to the the playoff days of January. But I think that this is a great opportunity for him to come back 100% healthy with this coaching staff, with this offensive coordinator and these players around him. He's going to have great success this year. You used a word that I think is probably, in my opinion, one of the things that's going to kind of transform the season the most for Justin Herbert. You said motivation. And I'm going to kind of go a different route with that term than you have, because all your points are spot on and perfect. Um, But you can't help if you're Justin Herbert. But to be motivated, look around. And, you know, you are the company that you keep positively or negatively. And... You see guys like Trevor Lawrence winning playoff games. And you see guys like Jalen Hurts get to the Super Bowl. And you see Joe Burrow get the Super Bowl and perennial playoff wins. Like, you're in that group. You're in that top tier with, supposedly, with the Josh Allens and the Patrick Mahomes. Yet, you haven't won one. Now, I'm not blaming him for the reason that that he hasn't. You're now in your contract year, seemingly. It's almost certain that we're going to see contract extension happen before training camp ends. You, I know Justin Herbert looks the part of this, you know, buttoned up and doesn't care about the noise and doesn't look at that kind of stuff and doesn't watch. Doesn't like media. the media, which which like, he doesn't, which but. he doesn't. But you know damn well that he knows how those other cats are doing. And when you see those other guys doing well and you see your head coach who you have outwardly expressed your admiration for be scrutinized and you have on top of that, the season you had last year where people kind of forget about you because of all of the injury stuff you had and the quote unquote down year that you had and all the players that were no longer on your team due to injury, whether it's playmakers or people protecting you, whether it was the running game that was non-existent, whether it was a defense who was, very bad at times. I think you're going to see kind of the red-eyed Justin Herbert. And I'm not talking like the high Justin Herbert. I'm talking about like the robot, the guy who's like the assassin Justin Herbert return. 2020 on steroids is what I see Justin Herbert redemption season for him and Chargers fans rejoice. I think 5,000 is 100% doable. I think 35 touchdowns is almost automatic if he's healthy. Watch out for Justin Herbert. All right, Jay, here we go. We're kind of going a little rapid fire here because I think we both have a few left. 
I'm going to go next. Ready? This is an interesting one for me. And I don't necessarily know if people look at it this way, but like Rashawn Slater to me, you know, I, I think it's easy to forget how damn good he was his rookie year. And thankfully, Chargers struck luck with Jamari Sawyer kind of coming in and saving the day, so to speak. But then you're seeing all these like lists of top offensive tackles in the NFL and Rashawn Slater is either not there or like way further down because he wasn't there. And then you're seeing, you kind of put yourself in the mindset of Rashawn Slater, you know, watching your quarterback just get roughed up all year last year and you not being out there to protect your guy. And you were brought in solely to protect Justin Herbert. And the year that you're hurt is the year that he gets hurt. Now you have your offensive line now intact. You've got Zion Johnson next to you. You've got another rookie coming in. Like, Things are in play now for Rashawn Slater and Justin Herbert to be that tandem protection assassin for a decade. The offensive line is now in sync where they can have this intact for, what, three years? I think everybody's on the books for at this point. And Rashawn Slater can now again prove himself as that all-pro that he no longer had a chance to do last year when folks are talking about everybody else. So... Rashawn Slater, and you know how much that killed him to watch that Jacksonville ending, knowing how close he was. There were rumors that he could have come back and played that week after. Like, he has that baby face, although you could see he still has, he now has a beard. I think I saw. He's ready. I think I saw an Instagram post of his, I think it was last week, where he's like, oh, this is going to be fun. It was just a picture of like the five offensive linemen. I got Rashawn Slater in there. Who you got? Let's let's intertwine Rashawn Slater when he went out last season with someone else who went out in the exact same game in week three last year. How about Joey Bosa? Week three, week three if you go back last year, was just a terrible week. Ironically, it also was against the Jacksonville Jaguars in that particular game. But Justin Herbert obviously doesn't look like himself. He's coming off that Kansas City game where he got injured. And then you lose Rashawn Slater, Joey Bosa. I can't remember. Was Jalen Guyton? Jalen Guyton also injured in that game, I believe. I think he was. That was just a bad, 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 bad week. That was a dude's for sure. So, so yeah, to have Joey Bosa when in week one of the season, if you remember that Raiders game, when the Chargers finished with five sacks in that game. And that defense was swarming. This was the defense that we had heard about. And we just thought, oh, it's only going to get better from here. This was just a great way to come out in week one as they get a victory over the Raiders. And in that particular type of fashion, too. Didn't have the same excess. Obviously, that's Patrick Mahomes in, in week two. But in week three, Joey Bosa goes down. And the Chargers were just unfortunately still looking for that semblance of a pass rush to someone to step up in Joey Bosa's absence, and they never were able to find it. I know Kyle Van Oy came in at, late at the end of the season, five games, five sacks in a row, and and he did what he needed to do, and it was great because the Chargers needed him to come in at that particular point in the year. And you got some pass rushes from a few other places, but the the tone set that Joey Bosa has on the edge for this team, not just from the pass rushing standpoint and a tandem with Khalil Mack, but setting the edge for the run defense just is 
is so vital to this team. And it's so easy for an opposing offense to then game scheme against the Chargers defense when he is not out on the field. So we now have heard, obviously, from Eric Smith going back into it last week and then other reports that are coming back out after mandatory meeting camp was done that Joey was actually hurt during training camp last year and just never ended up lingering away. And then it really got bad in that week three. And then unfortunately, you know, he ended up coming back for the Jacksonville playoff loss that just, it just didn't look like him. And it's hard to have expected that from even, even if he technically was healthy on paper, spending that much time away from the team and that much time away from on field action, you're just not going to see that same type of player that you saw in week one. So it's a big redemption season for him. And just in total for this defense, I think that Brandon Staley and uh, uh, Derek Ansley both know how vital it is to have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on this field together. So I think after the way that Joey Bosa goes down l- last season and how early he went out, you know he's going to want to come back and and make a better tandem with Khalil Mack and hopefully one that stretches the entirety of the season. So this pass rush has to be improved, but it starts up front with, with Mosa, Bosa and Mack. Yeah. And, and not to mention how the season ended. You saw like the penalties that he endured that, you know, the helmet being thrown to the ground and all the calls that were, you know, presumably missed, but he Very still freaked out. Then he saw kind of the off season, what had happened with him when he was watching his brother's playoff game. Like, there's a lot of like redemption qualities. But if you just look at brass tack stick last year, Joey Bosa had a, according to over the cap, almost $29 million cap hit. That's over 13% of the team's cap. Two and a half sacks. Oof. Two and a half sacks for $28 million is what the Chargers got. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with redemption, and I think that comes from both sides. The charge is gonna be like, um, <laughs> hello, and thankfully, gratefully, Chargers are looking at him and saying, "Wow, like for the first time in years, this is the healthiest you've been going into an off season." Him and Mac both healthy for the first time for camp. So big possibilities for them, but yeah, Joey Bosa needs to improve uh, from a year ago. Another one, Jake, and I'll kind of. Put this in there. I think Tom Telesco might be on the hot seat. Well, obviously, he's on the hot seat. But in terms of like a redemption season, you know, when everything happened with J.C. Jackson getting signed, people were like, oh, man, they were crowning him, right? And then as soon as J.C. Jackson has injury pre-season and then comes back and then isn't performing well, everyone starts throwing him under the bus and saying how horrible this pick was. And you look at the historical context of Tom Telesco and the lack of championships or championship game appearances that we've seen from this team and the lack of success and some of the issues we've seen with drafting late round players and some of the contracts that like there's a lot of scrutiny that Tom Telesco has gotten. And there's a lot of people talking last year that as much as Brandon Staley was on the hot seat, so was Tom Telesco. And you wonder, remember, Jerry Tillery, no longer on the team. Like, there are many issues that people had. Do we dare we talk about Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White and Uchenna Nuosu and folks who are no longer on this team? Adrian Phillips. There's a lot of band-aids that people are still holding on to. 
You talked about it, Jake. I think Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley seem to be joined at the hip. This is kind of a make-or-break year for Tom Telesco, too. And we talked about with Eric Smith last week. It seems like there was like this two-year window of kind of going all in with Justin Herbert on that contract. And that included guys like J.C. Jackson, big-time money. Mike Williams, big-time money. Keenan Allen, big-time money. Sebastian Joseph Day got signed, big-time money. Like, they brought in a whole bunch of dudes for this two-year window where they can have those big contracts with Justin Herbert. If they go the three years with Brandon Staley and what they have to show for it is one playoff appearance or, hell, one playoff win, like, in totality, is that enough? If the Chargers go in this year, win a playoff game, and then lose the next round. That's a tough question. Is that enough to keep him? I I I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think this is where it really comes down to it, Dan. Because I know that I I've been a critic for Tom Telesco back and forth. Because there will he's he's not absolvent of any obviously of criticism. He has had his good moments and he has had his bad moments. I think a lot of the criticism came from last year and having another one of the more quote unquote Tom Telesco type of drafts where your third and your fourth pick did not even contribute. Your second pick got traded away for Khalil Mack. And you're the people that you the players that you had contributing was your first round pick in Zion Johnson, Jamari Salyer, who was a very late round pick, and Xander Horvath, who was a seventh round pick. As far as building out a team for the long term goes, you can stretch it. You could stretch it in and face yes. of your Taylor, Dean Leonard. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, yes. Sorry. I and I forgot to mention just here, Taylor, because that is one that could be set up for success big time this year. But in terms of building a team long term, now is any GM going to hit on every single one of their picks every year? No, it doesn't happen. But if you can position yourself to hit in your top four, at the very least, you, you got something. That's a good point. And that's why I was very credible to him for what he did in this year's draft. Obviously, yes. getting Quentin Johnston, you come back around, you get Tuli Tupelotu, your third round pick, you get Dayon Henley to shore up the linebacker position. Fourth round, you get Darius Davis. And then you keep going down the line, Scott Matlock. Production. Pr- pr- production, production. And then in reality, you are kind of getting two players that you haven't even seen yet from last year play in Isaiah Spiller and JT Woods. So there's, there's a number of different players on this team in terms of, okay, well, how are they going to contribute? And that will be directly correlated to Tom Telesco's either success or failure with this team because you have to get production out of some of these higher draft picks that you have swung and missed on historically. So yes, do I still believe that Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco are attached to the hip when it comes to a winning or losing season? I do. I do. There could be a lot of change for this Chargers team in the next offseason time. We'll obviously tell on that. But I think as it directly... correlates to Telesco. I thought last year when it came to free agency, I thought he went out and he did exactly what he needed to do given the amount of cap space that we have. Mm-hmm. The draft still kind of yields some un- incomplete results from last year. Now this year, what have you done in free agency? Well, you didn't have that money that you had last year, but you were able to retool a crap ton of contracts, bring back a lot of in-house guys that contributed for you, and your draft 
as it stands right now, looks pretty damn good as far as what the team needed. Obviously, you could there there could have been another different players and you could have gone different directions, but as of now, for what this team needed, it looks pretty good. So, yes, time will tell. I'm still with you as far as a possible redemption aspect for Tom Telesco. Dan, the last one I will say is, and I'm going to group all these guys together, just put all the interior defensive linemen together for a redemption season. Damn, How about you that? are smart. You are smart. I was thinking the exact same thing. How about that? Uh, we know how bad this Chargers rushing defense was last year. I don't know how many times that I have to repeat myself on this. If I was Jay Rogers or any member of the defensive staff, I would have pulled together a sizzle reel of every single highlight of the opposing offensive player that is ripping off 40-yard running plays or Whatever it, whatever it was that was just a bad look for this interior defensive line, I would have put them all together on a highlight reel, and that would have been the first thing that I would have showed on minicamp. Gaping was, holes, missed tackles, missed sacks. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that went into the Chargers having such a horrible stat in the defensive rushing department. We've already heard Sebastian Joseph Day come back and talk about what this team is already ready to do this year. Hopefully you get Austin Johnson back. He's not fully healthy and been able to practice during OTAs and minicamp as it gets. That's another redemption. Hopefully training camp does see him back on the field. Same with Tito Ogbeniba that you get him back as well. But the Chargers also went out and they reloaded the, the depth of this interior defensive line. Obviously you brought Morgan Fox back. That's a great addition, but you go out and you get Scott Matlock. You have Gerard Clark, who's an undrafted free agent. You go out and you get Nick Williams, who's a veteran on the free agent market. You have done a, a pretty good job as far as building out the depth of this group. Now, obviously there are five, am I right? F- five, I believe interior defensive linemen that you had on this roster last year that are not here anymore. The turnover at this position is just ridiculous. For good reason. Yes, and for good reason. But I thought that the Chargers in a single season did a good job of utilizing their needs, their draft picks, their free agency, where they needed to. And I thought that they reloaded this interior of the defensive line very, very well. Again, I think bringing Morgan Fox back was huge, huge, given the contributions that he was able to give you last year. So... As a whole, I'm lumping this entire group together for a redemption season. They have to have it. This unit has to perform better against the run next year for this defense to have any type of success. Two guys I'll mention uh, quickly. One, and they're going to go different different directions. Uh, Kenneth Murray, redemption season. And this is more out of pure desperation redemption season in terms of... I'd say make or break for him because we... Redemption season, you would actually have to have a very productive season first. So but you hear, but I, th- I think that's where I'm going. Like you, you, you hear all of the accolades. You hear all of the people talking about how athletic he is and how freakish of an athlete and how like the measurables are there. And it just has to be fixed between the ears. And he was a first-round pick. They traded up for him. Like that, I mean, yes, make or break, obviously. But... Like similar to how Trey Pipkins was talked about before his breakout season, people have completely given up on Kenneth Murray. And I mean, everybody's already talking about Dayon Henley taking over for him and Kenneth Murray washed and was a wasted draft pick and all that kind of stuff. And while it's possible, 
Kenneth Murray still has something to say. And so like this absolutely would be a redemption season for him if he were to kind of turn things around like Trey Pipkins did in last year. Um, the other one, it's hard to put him in this category, but I think it's factually true. I think Keenan Allen is in this too. I, I think that that's factually true as well. He was hurt. And then all of a sudden you see lots of people talking about him, you know, not being fast enough, losing a step. He's getting old. Like the charge is going to move on from him. Him or Mike Williams are going to have to go one of the two. Like there's a whole bunch of, I mean, even when, I mean, people forget when Keenan Allen came back, he was like one of the best receivers in the NFL period. One of the most targeted. Yes. And so you don't think he listens? Guarantee you Keenan Allen listens. Like that guy has the pulse of what's being said about him for sure. And so whether that is for him to stay on this Chargers team or for his next contract, if people, because you know, people are going to be looking at, I will look at your 2022 season. Like, why didn't you? And he's like, dude, I was out for however many games. I didn't have a hamstring. But like, if he goes out and puts up 1,300 yards this year, you think he's getting paid regardless of where he goes? But I'm not sure as far as, you know, record in the AFC West, what that would have done with the Chargers to contend with the Chiefs if you would have had Keenan Allen yeah, back there. But how about, for sure. how about how about let's just talk about the AFC rankings, what that could have done for the Chargers. If you could get if you could get three wins out of Keenan Allen being back for any of those games that he missed. Dude. I mean Remember we were talking like Michael Bandy and Jason Moore and like some of these guys who are having to catch passes because others are not there. Like that was, that was rough. Like that was like the chargers literally like their C squad at receiver. Like it was, it was bad. And you don't think Keenan Allen could have, you know, made a couple of those receptions on third down that they're doing out routes to Michael Bandy deep cuts. Like mm, not happening anymore. I know we had a bunch, but I think that goes to show how, massively this season is looked at from pure redemption. Anything we left out. I'm really giving it some thought too. I was really trying to, because even Kenneth Murray was one that was kind of on the fence for me because do I label him as a, as a redemption season? No, I would label it more as a make or break season, considering that we're still waiting to see, the guy that we all expected that the Chargers traded back up in the first round to take with that type of investment. Unfortunately, we still haven't seen it yet. So hopefully his season becomes the season we've been waiting for. Yeah. And especially with the, the assistance and mentorship of Eric Kendricks, I would hope that, that would have something to do with it. Yeah. May, 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 you could say maybe like a Mark Webb, but like, again, like we've heard potential, We're, but haven't really seen yeah, we, it. We haven't seen it. So to me, it doesn't warrant that redemption type. Trey of McKitty kind of same thing. Like we have, I think that's probably less so. Um, I think that's it. Like, I think that's kind of the main category or guys that I have. Um, and I think the fact that we had some similar ones is pretty great. Um, huge storylines. And I don't want these to be forgotten as we get closer to training camp, as we get closer to the season, as we hit crunch time in some of these late game scenarios, like motivation is a thing. Like that's what drives people. And this redemption is not made up for a lot of these guys. Um, Jake, lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Anything else, Jake, you want to tell the great friends of Chargers Unleashed? Other than the fact that we have a giveaway being announced tomorrow, this episode is going up today, June it. 22nd. Episode will be uh, probably up, I don't know, 
sometime in the afternoon if you're listening to this. Uh, giveaway will be announced tomorrow, Friday, June 23rd. Anything else? I'm looking at my watch and it's not July yet, Dan. And I'm upset. <laughs> it's only June. It's only June. It's only June. All right. Well, for Jake Hefter, find him at Jake DF for myself at Dan W Sports. Guys, gals, thanks so much for tuning in to Chargers Unleashed. And we'll talk to you next time. 